Well, good morning, good morning. Hope you're doing all right. I know it's hard to jump into, into a message um, after um, praying for Kim and thinking of all that she means, means to us. And I know that my wife and I are planning on uh, how to sneak into her luggage and get on the cruise ship with her. Um, so that might be you as well. But um, we are thankful uh, for you. And um, it's good to be here together as we continue um, in this series called Spirit Lead Me. And in this particular series, we've been looking at Romans chapter eight, and we have seen the work of the, the Holy Spirit, right? He, Paul, he, he talks about the Spirit 21 times it's mentioned here. It's like the key thing of this particular chapter. This chapter is like the key chapter in all of Romans, and Romans might be one of the key books in all the Bible. And so as we come to this place, we recognize that the Holy Spirit has an important role. And we're asking the question, Spirit, lead me. And the hope is that you would put your trust in the gospel, so much so that you would follow the Holy Spirit wherever he may lead. Now, as we've gone through this, you may have figured it out that this is not a series where we're going to tell you, where the Holy Spirit's going to tell you who you should marry. I think the Holy Spirit might work that way, but that's not what this chapter is particularly about. It's not about what job you should take or, or the Holy Spirit leading you to what apartment you should have. That's not what we've been talking about. Really, the primary function of the Holy Spirit leading us is to help us know the gospel through an experience with him. It's not just about head knowledge. It's not just about knowing your status that you are no longer condemned, which that's a great status. It's not just about knowing that you are free from sin and death, which is a great doctrine to hold on to for sure. But really, the Holy Spirit guides us into experiencing that. Spirit, lead me into knowing the gospel with my life and be able to experience what you have for me. We, we talked about it the first week. One of the things that we saw is that the Spirit helps us to experience what freedom really is. Freedom from sin, freedom from death, where it no longer has power over us. There's even coming a day where we will be resurrected. So death will not have the final say in our life. For those of us that are that are in Christ. We also know that the Spirit has come and the Spirit has led us into the experience of belonging to the family of God. And there is no kitty table. There is no back part of the room. You're invited to the, to the main course with Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, but also our brother as we are co-heirs with him. We know that the Spirit leads us into those places of what it means to belong. And today we're gonna to come and pick up again here in this study in Romans chapter eight, uh, beginning in verse 18. And I'm gonna invite Micah to come and to read for us. And as he comes to the microphone there, um, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for this time where we get to come to your word. I pray that we would listen in these moments, we would hear from your spirit and we would obey. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus who is the Christ. Amen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay from the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we find ourselves, but we ourselves who are the spirit as first fruits, we are also groan, we, 
We also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is not that is seen, not in, not in hope. <clears throat> because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he may also be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, we are now that family uh, that you do not want to sit next to on the plane. Um, we, of course, have Macy, who, who does cry. She's been on the plane, and she does cry. Um, we also have a little dog uh, that we have to bring with us on, on most trips, right? Um, and we got all kinds of stuff, like all over the place, like too much stuff. We have to take the dog with the carrying case. We have to take Macy and the stroller and the stroller bag. And then like everybody's got their own carry on, right? And so we got all kinds of stuff. And when we show up to the airport, we're just kind of, we're there like hours way too early because we got so much stuff and we got to get it all together. We're, and we're sprawled out everywhere. When you, when you see us at the airport before we get on the plane, it's like, okay, that's the family that we're going to steer away from uh, because like, we're trying to feed Macy right before we get on the plane, right? And then, and then we're trying to figure out how do we take the dog to like the pet relief center in the airport. And then, and then we give little Dorothy, our little dog, a little bit of, a little bit of puppy Benadryl, right? Because she needs to be calm as she gets on the plane. And, and, and then thankfully, we get on typically with most of the, most of the airlines, we get on first. Um, because we'd be knocking people in the head with stroller and suitcase and everything. But I feel like I just want to, I just want to warn everybody like, hey, we're that family. Watch out for us. I'm sorry. You know, the, the, the pilot, he gets on the PA system, right? And he says, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know we're about to experience a little bit of turbulence. So just buckle up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. We're going to get through this. I, I wish that I could get on the PA system and say the same thing. Like, hey, we're the family and, and that's crying up here. And it's me and the baby that are crying. I'm sorry, but, but we're going we're gonna to get through this together. It's going to be okay. Just buckle up and, and hold on. As we come to Romans chapter 8, beginning here in verse 18, we, we see Paul begin to get onto the PA announcement. And he says, there's some suffering that is coming. You need to, you need to buckle up. You need to stay seated. You need to buckle up, remain calm, because we're going to get through this together, and it's a part of the journey. It's a part of the plan. He takes these few verses and kind of shifts our idea of what suffering is. It says, this isn't something that has caught God off guard. This isn't something that has just happened. No, this is a part of the plan. You see, the experience that we have as believers when we begin to experience pain and, and we begin to experience suffering is sometimes we think that this is something that is completely contrary to God's plan and what he is doing. So it then 
begins to decrease our faith in him, our faith in that he knows what he is doing. But the opposite should be the case for us. And that's what Paul says, is that pain and suffering should actually increase our faith in him. That's what the plan is all about. He begins by letting us know where pain and suffering actually comes from. We can pick it up here in verse 20 of chapter eight. And he says this, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. Now he begins to talk about this this idea of suffering with the backdrop of the creation story. You see, we know that, that because of sin, brokenness entered the world. But then here we see Paul saying that God himself was the one who subjected it to futility, that we then stepped into a cursed place, experiencing the brokenness of this world, experiencing more pain and more suffering. You see, many times culture will point to some of the things that aren't right and and try to diagnose the problem. Too many times we are looking at the symptoms and we say the problem is things like a broken educational system. Well, that's a symptom of the problem. Or we say we have misused our, our natural resources. Well, that's a, a symptom of the problem. The problem as we look at creation itself and we turn back to the pages of the creation account, we see that the problem was humanity disobeying God. And through sin, brokenness entered the world and God, not forcing us to obey, let us go into those places that we desired to go. And when we did, we only experienced more brokenness and more pain and more suffering as we sinned. God, he gave us over to these things. Why? Not just because he wants to see us suffer. That's not the point. Verse 21 says that creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. That's the hope of us experiencing pain, of experiencing suffering, that that we would then increase in our faith and, and, and go to God, the one that we have disobeyed. I think about it like this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was cooking and uh, I had a, a cast iron skillet and I, I uh, you know, took, took one of, a, a lid and put it on top and then put it into the oven, right? And then when it was done, I got my oven mitt and I pulled out, the, the cast iron skillet and set it on top of the stove. And then without thinking, I took the other hand and I, I grabbed the lid, right? And that thing had been sizzling at 425 degrees. And I grabbed that lid and I yelled so loud. I, I don't think I cussed, but it probably would have been a moment where I could have got away with it. But I definitely, I screamed pretty loud and uh, immediately took my hand off of it, right? Where Sarah's on the other side of the apartment, what's going on? I just burnt myself and I just barely touched it and took my hand off, right? I experienced the pain of it, right? The, the heat that was there. What if I didn't experience pain and just kept my hand there? A lot of damage that would have happened to my hand, right? 
I could maybe ended up in the hospital if I just kept my hand on that lid and didn't immediately take it off because of the pain that I was experiencing. That's what we're seeing in this verse, in these verses. That the point of the pain and the suffering is for us to see that this is not of God. And for us then to turn and put our faith, believing and following after who God is. Faith comes from suffering. Faith comes from experiencing the pain of this world. And then Paul gives us this glorious truth here in Romans 8, 28. You might know it. It's a pretty famous verse within scripture. I would say it's, it's, one, of the, it's one of those things that you would just need to hold on to, maybe a verse that, that you need to memorize. Romans 8, 28 says this. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, before we get to the, the stuff that, that we need, to, that's just really good for us, we need to make sure that we understand this is conditional, this truth. He said, wait a second, I thought God was an unconditional love for us, and he does. He has unconditional love for you. But when it comes to experiencing this truth, it is conditional on our love for God. It's conditional on us walking according to his purpose. For us to experience this glorious truth, we have to respond to God and his love. We know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loved the world but you have to believe in him to have the life that he's talking about, to have a heart for God, a love for God, a passion for God to follow after his purposes and to walk according to his ways. If you don't do that, then, then suffering then is the end of the story. Pain is the end of the story. But those who put their faith in Christ This is glorious, life-changing truth for you and for me. It says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. All things, everything works together for our good. Even pain, even suffering, even the bad moments in life, all of it, all of it is brought together for our good, for those of us that have put their faith in Christ. This is good news for you, I hope. I know this is good news for me. Well, Chris, how can you be sure that everything, everything, even all the horrible things in my life can be worked out for good? You know, the cross is the place of greatest suffering and also the place of our greatest good. Jesus, when he died on the cross, it was excruciating, agonizing torture on the cross. The physical torture and pain that he felt was so intense. But beyond that, he also spiritually felt suffering. Our sin He carried on the cross. He experienced the wrath of God. 
He went through the most excruciating pain that, and suffering that anybody could face, both, both physically and spiritually. But the cross is not just a place of great suffering. It's also a place of our greatest good. Because of the cross, we have life. And we see the cross not just as just suffering gone wrong. We see the cross as suffering with a purpose of a life change for us. So I just want to say, if the cross itself can be for our good, then anything that we could ever go through for those of us that have put our faith in Christ can also be for our good. The gospel, it changes our experience of suffering. It all has a purpose. It is God showing up in our life so that our faith can increase in him. Romans 8, verse 22 and 23, I want you to see this. It says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. What Paul is getting at here, he's explaining the experience that you feel when you go through suffering as a believer that has put their faith in Christ, holding on to that this is supposed to be for the building up of my faith. He gives this picture of a creation, a world that is groaning. Now, you're not gonna be able to walk into New York City and, and hear the city like groaning. Like that's not what he's talking about per se. He's not talking about actual groaning. Now, instead, what he's talking about is a picture of a world that is broken now, but there's coming a day where it itself will be renewed. The end of the story is not me and you sitting on a harp, sitting on a cloud playing a harp. That's not the end of the story. Now, of course, when, you, when we die, our spirit will go to be with Jesus, for sure. But there's something more than just escaping this world. That's not what it's about. What's gonna happen one day is that heaven itself will come and fall upon earth. New heaven, new earth. It'll be perfect. It'll be like new New York City, right? There'll be no pain, no suffering, no brokenness, no rats running around, right? <laughs> I don't know if anything can be called New York in, in that glorious setting, but we will be walking through this world that we've walked through, but it will be perfect. And we ourselves are gonna be resurrected. We're gonna be in bodies that are perfect. I'm gonna be six foot tall. It's gonna be great, Right? <laughs> That's gonna be our experience that we have to come. And so creation itself is longing, hoping for that day. And you know what it says? We are the first fruits of that experience. We who have the spirit are the first fruits. What does that mean? There's a new creation that has happened in you if you have put your faith in Christ. There's something brand new going on with you. I mean, yeah, you're still walking around in a, in a body that's gonna, that's gonna die, but there's something brand new still going on within you. Yeah, yes, yeah, you're still walking around and experiencing like the tension between the sinful old self and, and the, the new self, but there still is something brand new 
that is going on inside of you. And we should recognize that there's something more that is coming because of what has already begun in you. That's what it means for us to be a people who suffer and go through pain, believing that it will increase our faith because what we go through is pointing to something greater that is coming. It says that we groan with ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our bodies. And here's where the Holy Spirit shows up in all of this. This is beautiful. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray as for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. You have the creation that's groaning, our spirit that's groaning, and the Holy Spirit shows up in our weakness, in those places where we are at our wit's end and we're suffering in pain. The Holy Spirit actually joins us in that place and groans with us and on our behalf, helping us to experience that suffering in a different way, to see that God has a plan and this is not in vain and he knows what he is doing because he intercedes for us according to the plan, according to the will of God. When you come to a place and you feel like, I don't even know, I am so heartbroken, suffering so much pain right now that I don't even know what to pray. And all I've got is, Holy Spirit is there. Also, with you. He's helping interpret that groaning into a prayer where God's gonna bring it all together. You see, we're gonna experience suffering. It's a part of God's plan. And the Holy Spirit helps us to see that. And to trust in God and to put our faith in him. So what then is our response to this good news? Verse 24 of chapter eight and verse 25 says this. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Sometimes you can look back over your life. When you've gone through something very painful, sometimes you can look back at it and see how God has worked, right? I mean, sometimes it's like years later when you go back and you begin to piece everything together. Oh, that suffering was was for that, right? You can kind of see how God might be orchestrating some things together. But sometimes you can't, and sometimes you won't. Maybe not this side of heaven. Maybe not this side of glory. Some things don't make sense, and we're like, I don't don't know what God is doing in the midst of this, and I don't know how this all fits together. Well, that's okay. We're not supposed to hope in those things that we can see. We're not supposed to hope in the plan. We're supposed to hope in that which we can't see. We hope in the God of the plan. That he is the sovereign. That he is in control. And even when I can't see it and I can't figure it out and I can't piece it all together, 
I'm trusting that God knows what he's doing. God's got it figured out. And my faith is gonna be in him. Even when I can't see. I think God has called us to be a people of hope and to trust in the sovereignty of God. He, um, in verse 29, gives us this picture of how grand God is, how glorious he is, how much he is for us, how much he is working on our behalf. Uh, We see this in verse 29. He says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now, I know when you read that, there's a lot of like high dollar, like theological words there, right? It's like, whoa, this is a lot going on in this moment. We're talking about predestination. We're talking about justification. We're talking about glorification. Like there's all kinds of words that seem like, wow, this is a lot to take in. And maybe you're like me and you see that that word predestination. You're like, oh, I don't want to talk about that, right? Because I mean, we get in this debate between, you know, predestination and free will and choice. And I just want to say this up front. It's all in the Bible. Predestination, free will, choice. How does it fit together? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I haven't been shown that yet. God hasn't revealed that part to me yet, right? I just trust it. I trust that God is completely sovereign in control and he's given me a choice to follow after him. Now, I know that for me, there's like gotta be that beginning and that end, that which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? I wanna fit it all together somehow in this neat package and God is like on some other plane than me. He's outside of time. He's the alpha and the omega, right? For him, it all fits together. I gotta trust him in that. But this is not what Paul is getting at. (laughs) He's not getting at a a discussion or a debate between predestination and free will. That's not what he's talking about. Instead, he wants you to see how much God is for you and how much he is going to commit to bringing you all the way home. He who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He is totally involved in your life, committed to your life, committed to your salvation, committed to you being with him one day in a brand new world where nothing is broken, there is no suffering, there is no pain. He is committed to that. He's gone to the links of that in every part of your life. He is sovereign. He is God. He's in control. He is someone that you can trust. Even when you cannot see the plan, God knows exactly the plan. He's for you. He's working it out in your life. Our prayer has been that you would put your hope and put your trust in the gospel and also to put your trust in the God of the gospel so that you may follow the Holy Spirit wherever he may lead. I want to invite Jake to the stage. He's going to play a little bit. And as a close here, I just want you to imagine that um, you're on the plane and you're seated there. And over the PA system, you hear, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to go through some turbulence just up ahead. Let's stay seated, stay buckled. It's gonna be okay. 
We're going to get through it into our destination. I hope <clears throat> that you wouldn't be someone that uh, decides at that moment to, to unbuckle, <laughs> to stand up, to go to the front, to knock on the door and, and go into to be, be there with the pilot and say, okay, I, I hear you about the turbulence. Um, I'm going to take over from here <laughs> because we're going to go around this thing, right? <laughs> we're going to get to the same destination, but we're going to go around the turbulence because I don't want to experience any of that. Not today right I don't know how good you are at flying but that seems like a terrible idea for me <laughs> I know nothing about flying even if I did know something about flying right like I, I don't have the map I don't have the tools in front of me like, I, I don't know all that the pilot has studied for for this trip right I hope that instead we would stay seated <laughs> seatbelt buckled Saying, you know, it's going to get bumpy. I'm trusting that pilot to get us through. Because he knows this is a part of the journey. I hope we would be a people have huge faith in our God. That no matter where the Spirit leads, even if it's into suffering, we would trust him. And we would say, Spirit, lead me. You're a God who's got my entire life and you're gonna bring me all the way home. Don't you take a moment just to take a posture of prayer. I'm gonna read a couple questions for you. And um, hopefully this is just helpful for you to process and to listen to the Holy Spirit. First question, how might God be speaking to you about some suffering that you are or have experienced in your life? How might God be speaking to you about some suffering that you are or have experienced in your life? What is he saying to you right now? Second question. What encouragement do you find in the Spirit knowing that He is interceding for you right now? The Spirit Himself, the Spirit is praying for you right now, even when you don't know what to pray. How does that encourage you? And finally, what does it look like to trust him even when you can't see his plan? What does it look like to trust him even when you can't see his plan? Father, we thank you for what you have done and what you are doing in our lives. We thank you that your love is so great for us that you've been a part of every step of our life, drawing us to yourself, Father, saving us, redeeming us, sanctifying us, one day glorifying us. I pray that we would be a people that would see that you are 
You're for us and that we can trust you with anything in our life. I'll just be honest with you, God. I, sometimes the suffering, the pain that I, that I experience, it's, it's, it throws me for a loop. But I thank you for your Holy Spirit that in those moments where I can't see anything, see any purpose, that your Holy Spirit is there praying for me, interceding on my behalf. Father, may we be a people that trust you, follow after you, put our faith in you. Spirit, lead me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.